Welcome to Deep Natter. In this episode, we begin with a conversation around aesthetics and art and how aesthetics sometimes gets overlooked or even dismissed completely in favor of narrative. We also talk about some of the tolls the pandemic has taken on creativity and how for so many people it seems to have been the catalyst for massive change in their lives. Here we go. Where do these where do these fit in for you? Like because the, the, these are I mean I, I guess like um I mean it's 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 pure graphics what you're doing now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean well, that's the way I look at it. I mean there is yeah. there is some collage to it, but it's I didn't think about what ephemera I was using. I just grabbed things because I knew you wouldn't really see any of it. It's it's just yeah. for visual texture it's just to add some sort of texture and interest underneath that first layer so some of it you, you yeah. might see a little bit but yeah. nothing nothing really recognizable yeah um, it's almost it, like you're de- designing with paint <laughs> <laughs> almost like that <laughs> it's not art i mean don't think that it is no 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 i mean i would never have <laughs> i would never have insulted your work by calling it art it's design with paint you know it's yeah, it's it's funny when you you know you ask where it fits in and a couple of days ago you sent me this new uh sally mann video where she's yeah you know the the camera crew well camera crew it's probably one other person kind of following her around as she's driving through the south looking for for places to shoot and it ends up in her dark room where she was talking about just messing around just Mm-hmm. You know, trying, trying a print this way, trying it that way, trying different papers, trying different techniques, letting the work speak to her and inform where she goes next. Yeah. And even though this stuff is, uh, you know, it's simpler, it's, it's, um, it's, it's simple in concept. It, it's time consuming to do. It's kind of tedious to do, but there's not a lot of, of there's no narrative, right? No. But what it does do is it keeps my hands in motion. It keeps me working with materials. It keeps me in the act of creating something and it allows my mind to wander to what's next. And in that, I think it's incredibly valuable. I think it's incredibly valuable to, to, and it's not going through the motions. I don't want to, I don't want to say that, No. but it's, it's a different kind of making that allows me to think about some of the narrative stuff that's going to come next. I mean, I, and I think it's, it's very, in that way, it's very similar to some of the way you approach sketch images in street photography. You, you know that yeah. this isn't going to be your 10 out of 10, but it's necessary to get you to that 10 out of 10 that's coming next. It's like a palate cleanser. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in a way, you yeah. You just do something that's just like, this, this doesn't matter. This isn't as substantial as, or as significant as other things I might do or as deliberate. But I need to do this because in it I'll explore ideas and let my mind wander and just go through the act of making so that I can jump into the next thing. But I like that. I like that there's kind of ups and downs in terms of how how significant or how much meaning we put into things because everything can't be so earnest all the time. Sometimes it has to just be for its own sake and for fun. Absolutely. Yeah? And, and I would push back a little bit on something you said in that it doesn't matter. I think it does matter. I think it, 
Mm. It all contributes to a larger body of work. It, it doesn't matter in the same way, maybe. Of course, yeah. But I think all of what we do matters because they're all little points on the continuum. They're all, they're all sort of dots in the night sky. Some are brighter, some are dimmer, but they all are necessary to make up the night sky. And I think that's kind of the way I'm starting to look at my work. And, and if you'd asked me this a year ago or two years ago, I, I might've, I might've even, even more, I might've downplayed the significance of these and I would have uh, maybe written them off e even more. But now I've, I've, I'm, I am getting to this place where, and, and Adrian has taught me this for years now, it all counts. Everything that we do is, is another data point to get us somewhere else. And in that respect, I think the simpler work does matter because it keeps me in the smell, in the sight, in the, in the motion of making, but it, it allows me to think about something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you don't hear me saying it's not significant. It's, no, it's, no, no, no. Because in the, in the overall journey, of course, it's very significant. It's the next step. Yeah, um, it just doesn't matter I, I in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess it, it's, it doesn't matter in the same way as a standalone project to an audience where we're trying to communicate something deliberately. It doesn't hold the same weight, maybe. Mm -hmm. But ironically, I think that perhaps what you've done now might be more saleable in some ways. Because I can see what you've just done as like three by three or four by four panels on a wall in a home would look yeah. amazing. Yeah. These sets that would like take up a wall um, and could be mixed and matched and flipped, I think, I think is, a, is a really cool, I hate to productize things, but like I think is a really cool product. I think people would want on their walls. Um, and, and not just people who need to sort of dig a bit deeper for art, but somebody who just wants a room to look nice. Like this, this really makes this wall pop having these pieces on this wall. I don't have to explain them. They don't have a deeper meaning. I don't have to stand around with a, a glass of Chardonnay with my guests and go, well, the artist was really trying to be, you know, it's not <laughs> right. that, but it, they just look great and it really makes a, a room pop. And I think I will take that. I will yeah. take that. This is my equivalent to just a pretty picture, whether that's a sunset or, mm. or a floral or, or whatever it is. I think there's value in those things. You know, we downplay it. And we, 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 we dismiss pretty pictures. And yes, I, I don't agree with that. I think there is value. There is room for pretty pictures in the sense, in, in the same way that there's, there's room for pretty art that doesn't necessarily have to say anything. It's just pleasing to be around and look at. I like that. And, and, so for you to say something like, I could see this as a product, I will take that thank you very much uh, as a win. Because one of the things that I do do when I'm going through these is I try and think about where they might end up. You know, I, I, I may be working with uh, a, a company that just sent me some print samples on a variety of fabrics. And uh, I may be working with them and, and bringing some of these panels to light on different types of products. And, and I mean, gosh, I will tell you to see this stuff on a piece of silk or a piece of linen is a very different experience than seeing the panel in front of me or, or even a print on a, on a nice piece of paper. It's a very different experience. And to be able to hold that in your hand 
there's a different type of connection that doesn't have anything to do with narrative. Yes. Not narrative of the piece anyway. It becomes a different kind of narrative. It becomes part of a personal narrative in terms of it's a narrative of style. It's a narrative of taste. It's a narrative of, of what you as the end user, the customer, find interesting and, and want to either put in your home or on your body. So the, it, it really does take on a different kind of uh, meaning. And I'm okay with that. And for a long time, I got to be honest with you, I wasn't okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I was very rigid yeah. about what art had to be and where it had to be. And I think a lot of people who listen to this show are in a very similar boat, whether you're a photographer or a painter or a, a filmmaker or a writer, whatever it is, we're brought up thinking that these things have to exist in certain ways. They have to be experienced in certain ways. They have to uh, be received in certain ways. Yeah. But the lines are changing. How we experience things are changing. And if you need to experience something as a print or a photo book or a pillow or a jacket or, you know, whatever, there are no rules anymore. No. It's also what we've talked about before. It's, it's, this, it's this difference between narrative and aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Good aesthetics are not less meaningful than good narrative. And I think there's this trendy idea that like, I mean, this is why I made the video with Martin Rotz. Yeah. Because I heard so many people say to me, well, every photograph has to tell a story. And that's the pinnacle of photography is narrative photography. And whilst I love narrative photography, I don't agree at all. And that's why I went to Martin, because Martin, I think, produces beautiful aesthetic photography. Um, but there is no narrative to the images. Right. And it doesn't make his images less for me in the slightest that it doesn't tell me a story. They're beautiful to look at and yeah. they make amazing prints and people want them on their walls. And I've done the same thing. I mean, I, I had, would have been about two years ago, I, I, I realized that people really liked the kind of diagonal shadow throws and black and white contrasty images that I was taking. They don't have any narrative to them. They're right. just aesthetic. Right. They're designery. And I did um, limited runs of A4 print sets of those. And they sold better than any prints I've ever done before. More narrative prints haven't sold that well because people liked the aesthetic and they knew they'd look good on a wall. And why is that less art than something that tells you a story? I don't think it's less. I think it's just different. And it's I just think different. This weird, yeah. this weird snobbishness we have in this art world of well, what's the message in this? I don't really, well, maybe it doesn't have one. Maybe it just looks freaking cool and that's yeah. enough Yeah, because I want something freaking cool on my wall. That's, that's yeah. enough. I completely agree. And, and one of our mutual heroes, Fan Ho, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you what the message, if there is one in, in that work is, <laughs> it's just graphic and bold and striking and it connects with me regardless of what, uh, what he's trying to communicate. Ray, Ray Metzger. Metzger is another one. Like, like I love Ray Metzger's stuff. And it's, mm -hmm. it's all just light and shadow play. Is he telling mm -hmm. you a story? No. Is he, is he trying to be a photojournalist? No. Is he really even a street photographer? I don't think he would care about the label. He's just making really cool looking images and I want them on my wall. Are they art? Well, I think so. Well, does it tell a story? No, it's not narrative. Yeah. Why is that less than anything else? Why is that worse somehow? But it, it, it's just this trendy notion at the moment. Like, well, what's the meaning? You know, right. Like people write books about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would, I mean, for those of you listening, I would really encourage you to think about your own work. And, and I know we keep coming back to this question, uh, starting with why and what is the why, but I would really encourage you 
to ask yourself and, and allow yourself room to have a variety of answers and look at those answers. Why do you make pictures? Why do you paint? Why do you write? Why do you, whatever it is that you do. And I, I think when, when we think about it, I know f for me, I had, I had one why when I was in college. I have another why now. So those, those whys can change throughout your life. And do you, do you want to share those? How have they shifted? Um, the first why was so that I could be a famous painter, right? So that I could be mm -hmm. one of the people that I idolized. That was the first why. If I'm being completely honest, I wanted to be in museums. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in galleries. I wanted to have my work shown places. The, the bitter pill was that I didn't see that way. I didn't have that kind of talent. And uh, I had an advisor in, in college who was a remarkable man and talented and, and honest to a fault, brutally honest. And he said, look, art, it's one thing. It's the ability to see. That's all it is. Mm. Can, can you see? Uh, and then can you translate what you see in your mind onto or into whatever medium you choose to, to use? And I couldn't do it. I couldn't make that connection. I didn't have, I didn't have the ability uh, at the time to get out what I thought I saw in my head and I quit. And then when I started again, it was an exploration of process. It was, it was an exploration of trying to, trying to bridge a gap between analog and digital making because I had, I had gotten away from physical media and had really started just using digital media. Uh, and I'd, I'd been using Photoshop since version three. So that's, what is that? 1990, 91, something like that. Mm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed compositing and, and, and really enjoyed digital media. I love, I love the flexibility of it. I love the immediacy of it. I love, you know, what you can do in a virtual environment. And I was, I was working in 3d and, and but something was still missing because at the end of the day, I wasn't working with any materials and I wanted to try to figure out whether there was a way to bring back some of those materials that I really enjoyed working with, but work with them somehow in a digital environment beyond just scanning, you know, something that you had done in the analog world, scan it into the digital world and then print it out something beyond that. And, uh, I, I found a few, um, artists who were doing just that, that they were, uh, one was Dorothy Simpson Krauss. I've spoken about her before. Uh, and she released a book called digital art studio, I think is what it's called. I don't know. It's on my shelf back there. Uh, and I picked it up and, and just sort of devoured it and, and had some questions that the book for me didn't answer. And, uh, I reached out to her found her email, reached out to her and she was kind enough to, you know, respond and answer questions. And we had a few exchanges back and forth and, and she cleared up some things and away I went. So that, that second time was, was really just to explore process. Um, and, and now it's a combination of both. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of wanting to continue to explore and bridge different processes but it's also me searching for something to say, yeah. not with the end goal of being in a gallery or a museum, 
but just to create bodies of work that mean something to me, that, that, that I feel are uh, on some level at both ends of that continuum of aesthetic and meaning and, and fill in the gaps in between those. And I think one of the big differences between you know, 20 years ago and, and now 30 years ago and now mentally is I have really no expectations of where it's going to end up. Mm. Um, because as you and I have spoken about many times, that's, that's beyond your control anyway. So why, why get lost in that? You know, I think being a maker is, is as much about managing expectation as it is about honing and developing skill. Yes. And uh, because I think one without the other, whichever side you're on gets you in trouble Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to do both. And it's from what I picked up from you as well. It's, it's, it's shifted into legacy stuff as well. Things you leave behind. Is that part of it? I think so. Whatever it is. I mean, I, 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 we were talking about process driven and conversations and, and my spotty track record with that show. Um, I think one of the things that I have on tap for myself in, in light of the last few episodes of this show is to be more consistent. And I think one of the reasons that I haven't been, and there are many, but one of the reasons that I haven't been as consistent with Process Driven is I've, I've had this desire to step away from, from exclusively talking about and to photography and photographers. Yeah. And I've been associated with that, that genre for so long. I've, I've been afraid to step away from it because I didn't know how it would be received. And in the end, I have to do, I have to follow my own curiosity. I mean, that's why I started the show in the beginning. That's why I have 90% of the recorded conversations I do anyway, is because I'm curious about that person or I'm curious about something that they've done or whatever. So I think for, for me to be more consistent, I have to, there are a couple things that have to happen, but one of them is I have to, I have to be willing to indulge my own curiosity more Mm. and willing to, uh, as I've said in the past, I'll release them for you, but I'm having them for me. So the next, I don't know, half dozen or so uh, people that are coming on process driven are not photographers. Mm-hmm. They're artists, they're sculptors, they're musicians. They are, um, uh, tangential to photography in the sense that, you know, they're m- making something, but I really do have to follow a different path for a while because there was a kind of a divergence between what I was following in my own creative life and what, and the type of people that I was allowing myself to talk to for fear of how it would be received. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. Like I'd, I'd go further. I, I, I'd say, I'd say that I, I think you're better equipped to have those conversations than you are conversations about photography because it's your world. Hmm. Like the, the, the making in general is something that's always fascinated you and people's processes. It wasn't ever specifically photography for you. No. And you have, you have deep roots in 
in painting and and design and mixed media and and things like that than you do in photography so so to me it makes complete sense and it feels like you admitting to yourself more of who you are and what you're actually interested in rather than playing to the expectations of what other people think you should be doing because you've historically done photography stuff you're actually moving more towards who you are and having the conversations you really want to have because that's what you're interested in mm. and there's no way that can't lead to better conversations so i i think it's good for everybody that you do that honestly so thank you i mean i hope that's the case you know one of the other parts of that was because i've been you know sort of historically for the past decade anyway more or less associated with photographers and and conversations around photography, there was a reluctance to reach out to people in other areas for fear of them going, well, all you do is photography. There's, there's nothing here for me. Yeah. And I think there, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that the people that I've approached recently have all said yes. And they're all in different areas. And I I think that's going to move the needle quite a bit. I think it's going to um, I think it's going to be good for me having these conversations, but I think it's going to be good for a listener to let go of some of the myopic tendencies we sometimes have as creatives, right? As makers of things. Yes. We, I know a lot of photographers, you do too. We, we, we know a lot of the same photographers who only look at photography mm-hmm. and they only look mm-hmm. at the kind of photography that they make. Yeah. There is so much value in getting outside of your own wheelhouse. There's so much value in letting yourself be moved and inspired by other work because it will inevitably filter through you somehow, whether it's a film or a piece of music or, or a book of poetry or, you know, whatever it is, it will affect you somehow. Of course. Um, and I am so excited, more excited than I've been in a long time about podcasting. That's great. I, I, I feel like if it goes well, and I don't, you know, I don't like to say things like this because I, I'm afraid I'm going to screw it up. But if I can pull this off and these conversations go the way I hope they will go, and, and I will obviously bring my best to bear on them, I think it's going to really free me up to do other things, not just within the podcasting space, but within my own creative space. That's the hope. Yeah. I mean, I think we're similar in that it's the reason I wrote the book is I'm, I'm more interested in people than I am photography. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm more interested in how we think and what we're motivated by and what brings us joy than I am about photography as a specific art form, which is why, which is why I never would have written a, a book on photography. It's not interesting to me. Right. Um, and even though my channel might be ostensibly a photography channel, it's not really. Like if you follow, you know it's not a photography channel really. It's about it's about people. And that because that's what I'm really interested in. I just use photography as the loose subject matter to be able to talk about people. But that's the interesting stuff. And that feels like the reason that you have conversations as well. Yeah. Because you're in you're 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 unstoppably interested in people. Um, and you'll always want to talk to them about why they do what they do and how they do it and how it fulfills them. Those, those, that's the juice for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and yeah. you know, it's funny you bring up the book. I feel like your book is such a logical, and I don't even want to use the word extension. It's, it's such a logical complement to what you do 
on YouTube when you're really doing YouTube, right? And I'm not, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the tutorial things because we've talked about that before, but when you're, when you're really diving into either another person or talking about something that you are uh, curious about, passionate about, there's something that happens there. Mm. Do you see those two as complementary? Do you see them as competitive? Do you, do you, how does the book relate to the video work for you in, in terms of, of how you feel doing it and, and what you have gotten from an audience around it? I mean, the, the book kind of exists because, because of the limitations of YouTube, because I never felt like I could dig deep enough in these shorter videos, even though my videos are longer than most. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say more and dig deeper. And so the book was the way that I could do that. But then the book now gives me permission to do sort of what you're doing in, in that one of my favorite things to do are to make documentaries with other photographers. But now I can start to stretch that because I have talked about creativity in general to also start to talk to people who aren't photographers, Mm -hmm. to talk to filmmakers or illustrators or artists or whoever, because I I, I think I've, I've already laid out my stall and said, this is the stuff I want to talk about. And now going forward, I can, I can start to add that to what I do and maybe even phase out some of the tutorial stuff because I've covered a lot already, you know what I mean? Right. How, how, how much am I going to teach photography? Right. And, and, and pretty much at this point, let's be honest. <laughs> how many people need to learn how to put grass on text? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific thing. To, yeah. um, uh, well, I mean, there's, there are a couple of people who desperately need that grass on text feature, but yeah, I mean, it's probably not my target audience. I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, and you can find all that stuff. You know, right. I mean, if, I, if I, I'm going to teach you Flash, there's a thousand videos out there teaching that stuff already. And we're all saying the same thing because that's how you do it. That is right. the way to right, do right, it. Right. So we're all kind of set telling you the right way to do it. So do I want to repeat that or do I want to try and do something that only I can do, which is give you my perspective either on the creative process or my perspective on somebody else's creative process by celebrating them and what they do. That, that's something not anyone else can do because, because if someone else goes and makes a documentary about another photographer, it will be very different to the documentary I would make and someone else would make because it's perspective stuff. It's not just scientific right answers, this is how you do it. It is more narrative storytelling and and unashamedly my view of things in the way that I edit it and and cut it and add music to it and color grade it and pace it and what I choose to keep in, what I choose to keep out from interviews. You know, that's that's me on the questions I ask on the day. Obviously, sure. the things I decide sure. to draw out of somebody. I've just done a video with a guy named Ben Burfitt who does mm-hmm. amazing um, dog photography. It's fantastic work. Yeah, it really yeah, is. It's incredibly fun stuff. I really, really love it. Someone called him the Bruce Gilden of dog photography, which I thought was the perfect description. That's such a great description. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant stuff. But at no point in the interview did I ask him, hey, how do you, do, how do you use your flash with your camera when you take... I know right, right. there are people out there who want to know that. I What's that ratio care. of you yeah, know, exactly. light to... Yeah. I couldn't care less right. about that stuff. So it's not the question I'm going to ask him. I want to ask him a bunch of other stuff. I bet you nine out of 10 other YouTubers would have definitely have wanted him to give a quick tutorial on how he does flash photography with dogs to get it looking like that. It's not what I'm concerned about. So, so you'll get a particular sort of video from me about 
people, which I think is more valuable if you're like me. And of, of course, a lot of beginners who want to know the technique would disagree with me, but that's fine. That's not who I'm gearing those videos towards. So very long answer, sure, I guess. The, the, the book has kind of opened up and, and, and really set my stall out to be more deliberate. This is who I am. This is the stuff I'm interested in. And this is definitely where I'm going to go and be more deliberate about the, the, the ugh, content I've I put out into the world. <laughs> like that's, that's, uh, I couldn't think of a better word quick enough. Right. Um, that's, that's, um, that's what I want to do. That's what I care about. And if you're with me, we'll have a good time together. And if you want something else, there's loads of other stuff out there for you. And maybe it's time to, to move on. Um, but I, I kind of like, I think like you, it's, you, you're kind of at a stage where you're going, well, everyone has these expectations. You know, Jeffrey's the guy who's had multiple successful uh, podcasts about photography specifically. And there will be a couple of people who go, oh, Jeffrey doesn't talk about photography anymore. I was only here for the photography talk. Well, I wish you well on your way. Thank you so much for spending years with me and supporting me. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the stuff I'm doing now. And if you're with me, come with me and you'll find a new crowd who go with that stuff. But you'll be doing something you care about more and that will make you happier. And I think you'll be doing something more valuable because you're listening to what you care about rather than just trying to please the crowd and meet expectations for people you're never going to meet. Right. You know? But it, it can be a hard place to get to. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's you letting go of, of tutorials. It's me letting go of, of the, some of the things that I, and I'm not going to get rid of it completely, but there is a, there is an anxiety that arises when you're stepping out from the, the relative comfort of what you have known. Right. Um, and it costs, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, yeah. I'm already seeing my YouTube channel slow its growth hugely. Like it's not growing nearly as fast as it was two years ago when I was doing a lot more tutorials. I, I'm making a decision that that affects the bottom line for me and affects growth and numbers and potentially affects my future at being able to do this. But I can't compromise on it because I, I believe in doing this for me. And if I can't make a living for this and need to go back and get a job at some point and keep doing this on my own terms, because this is what I believe I had to give, I have to do that. Because the alternative is not doing what I believe I should be doing, feeding the internet what it's telling me I should be doing, but they don't know me or care about me, and not being able to sleep at night because I know what I'm doing. I'm just giving people what they want to make money at the end of the day, then I might as well go and wait tables and give them what they want, but keep the creative thing I do for myself and make it fulfilling. I have to protect at least this part of my life because I I have to have something that's, that I believe in, you know, that, that is for me the way I want to do it. Otherwise is, is it all just business? It It can't all be business. Some of it has to be kept for me. And, and this is what I'm choosing to keep for me. I don't know how it's going to work out. It could kill it. it. It could kill the channel. People could decide, nope, we liked it when he did tutorials. That's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let this thing slow down and consolidate at the end of it to see what I've got and work my way forward from there. And if I can't, I can't. But I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to sell it out. You know. I don't think that's an uncommon feeling. I, I, I think there are a lot of... Look, I don't have any formal evidence to suggest it other than the people I've talked to, but it seems like there are a lot of people getting to that point of, you know what, I've, I've been doing, I've been doing this thing to please the algorithm or to please 
uh, how, how this platform wants me to do it so I can grow. But there's been a cost to that. There's been uh, an existential cost, a creative cost, maybe even a financial cost. I don't know, because we don't really know how any of these things work, right? But yeah. it seems like a lot of people are having these creative come to Jesus moments where they're going, you know what? I, I'm not going to try and, 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 and do it this way anymore. I'm not going to try to keep pleasing this, this disembodied thing that I'm doing. I really have to focus on what moves me because I'm the one putting in the time. I'm the one putting in the money, the effort, the, the, the intellectual cost, the creative cost, whatever it is. And, mm. and I'm unfulfilled in doing all that because I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I feel like that's changing. I, and I feel like this, this last two years with this pandemic has accelerated that as mm. well. I don't know if you picked up the same, but I just feel so many people who I follow and respect are are really distilling things down. Like we've all sat at home thinking, am I happy with what I'm doing? Because when I come out of this, maybe there are changes to be made. It's almost like we all had a circuit break. Yeah. And, and we had time to sit and think, am I really on the right track? And I just see so many people who are going, no, I was on the wrong track. I'm, I'm shutting that part of it down. I know you like it, but I'm shutting it down. It doesn't make me happy. And I'm going to focus on this and if you're with me, you're with me. But if you're not, I, that's absolutely fine. And I, I completely understand that it's all over the place. And I think, it's, I think it's so good because it also means that we're not feeling as beholden to social media platforms and expectations as well. Because I think, I think something else that happened during this pandemic is, is social media platforms changed. They're not talking about it. But but algorithms changed. We're all seeing it. We're all feeling it individually. Like things aren't growing like they used to. Things something has the brakes have been put on big time for for most of us. And it's it's not just me. I've sort of compared notes and looked on Social Blade and other stuff. And I think that means well, yeah. I mean, if if this is going to happen anyway, if this is going to slow down anyway, I really need to make sure I like this, or I'm not going to keep going. Yeah. I wonder too how much of that is is a reflection of what people are looking for. Not just what pe- not 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 just the people on the making side, but on the receiving side, on the consuming side. How has that changed in the past two years of mm. of having all of this sort of extra time locked up at home? How has that changed, and how is that driving what's on the other side? How is that driving some of the changes of uh, that that makers are going through? Because it's it seems like it's interesting on both sides. It seems like the yeah. things that that were once not so long ago being consumed in, in droves, that's even changing. What, what people yeah. are looking for is changing. Yeah, I don't have a great read on how, but I think you're absolutely right. I think people, what people care about is, is shifting and where they're putting their time is definitely altering. I mean, come on, even Jack Dorsey's leaving Twitter. What's that say? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. Even he's like, it's, it's eh, I'm out. In, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's happening in people's jobs. It's happening everywhere, isn't it? People don't want to go back to work. They don't want to do the same job they were doing. People are just like, oh my gosh, there's more important things in life than the way that I was killing myself before. And if I can alter things and put first things first again, I want to try. I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good side effect to a bad situation globally that we're all, we're all reassessing. Um, was it a realization of our own mortality? Do you think there, that that played into it? It had to have, right? Seeing, seeing how many the pandemic took away? Maybe, yeah. I think, it, I think it was definitely partly that, especially at the start when we were all very afraid. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely that jolt. But I think yeah. it's probably also... At the start when we were afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there were. There were those first few months where we were all terrified. I'm still terrified. No, 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 I understand. But I think it's probably lesson for most people the more things have opened up. But there was definitely like a jolt awakening where we're like, stay at home, you're all going to die. Right. Do you know right, what right, I mean? Right, it's like, right. holy crap, what are we doing? Um, and then I think that combined with being at home for extended periods of time, not being able to compare notes with other people, being forced to be more introspective and have time alone to think and assess and, and be pulled out of our daily routines where things just can be you know, moving from meeting to meeting because we've got stuff to do. We don't, we don't think about what we're doing and why enough. I mean, it's the same thing I talk about in the book. We, we were kind of forced into those generative mental spaces, you know, where, where, where we're just sitting in empty space with our subconscious allowed to think more often uh, like, like we are when we're in the shower and we're stuck at home and we're just staring at the wall. It's uh, those, those things process a lot easier because we're not just thinking about what's happening now in a meeting that we have to do and what we have to do next. We're thinking longer term of what we care about. So I think, I think a combination of the two has probably forced a lot of people. I mean, it's why, it's why relationships have ended. It's why people are shifting jobs. People just realize like, I'm, I wasn't happy in whatever I was in. And, and I want to make radical changes going forward because, because I can, because I've realized I can again. And if I, if I pull myself out of that daily routine, I can choose differently. Maybe that's worth doing. Are you having conversations like this with, with friends, with family? All the time. Yeah. It's constant. Everyone I talk to. I mean, I, I, I think I said like a, a couple of weeks ago, I met with another guy who does YouTube and he was just saying like before this whole thing, I was just on the treadmill with this stuff. And after I'm just like, what am I doing? I don't care about what I'm saying. And I'm going to strip it right back and take. So this isn't just me saying this. There's lots of people saying this. I've got a bunch of people in that kind of YouTube um, space or Instagram space who are making things. You know, everyone's consolidating down, and mm-hmm. and just people who you know jobs. I, I I know close friends, not just me, who've had their relationships uh, that have that have fallen apart over this time as well. And they're like, well, and a lot of people are getting to the place where like, gosh, I am happier for not being in that now. I was, I was taking things for granted. I was sitting in things I was, that I wasn't happy with. And this jolted us out of something that was really not good. And I'm grateful that I've had so many conversations like that, hmm. um, which, uh, which again is, you know, that's encouraging. You know, I, people don't have to live in misery and that autopilot, if we don't question it, can keep us miserable for a long time. Yeah. It's, you know, the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't, yeah. right? Except it isn't. And if you have the courage to choose against it, but it takes so much courage until something comes along that breaks that pattern for you. And then it takes a little less courage and maybe you can bring yourself to do it, which I think is the, is the, is the grace of this terrible time. I am so looking forward to being able to get back to a place where we can have conversations like this in a group setting. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really miss you know, going and grabbing a coffee with a couple of friends or, or just getting into a conversation with someone I happen to meet or see or be sat next to at, at a coffee place. And, you know, I miss that so much. Yeah. I want to give talks again. I want to do workshops and retreats again. Like I, I miss, I miss hanging out with groups of people like that. And I'm an introvert. So, I mean, that's a lot for me to say that, but I do miss it. It's right. It's uh, there's something good about it. It's something that, you know, 
some spaces like that with people give you something that sense of community safety and numbers journeying together all that good stuff you know and i i can't wait for that again yeah and the way you were structuring it i think is such a rather than a a workshop and and there are there are places where workshops are very valuable and i'm not i'm not dismissing workshops at all but i much prefer the idea of uh creativity camp where it's not it's not task based no. it's it's not results driven it's more introspective and meditative and 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 yet still collaborative somehow yeah and it's not like session after session of teaching stuff like i'm just not doing that i don't mm. I don't I'm, I'm i'm if 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 my youtube channel is moving away from tutorials towards more meaningful stuff, my retreat's better as well. You know, it's, it's right, got to go right. the same way. I'm not teaching you how to use your camera. I mean, I, I'm happy to teach you one-on-one how to use your camera or walking around informally. I'll give you all the time in the world, but I'm not putting up a PowerPoint <laughs> talking through for <laughs> 90 minutes. Okay, pick up your cameras. Right. Okay, let's turn the on button. Oops, you forgot to charge your batteries. All right, let's do that first. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not doing any of that. It's not interesting. Yeah. You know, let's just go make some stuff. I'm really excited to dip my toes into YouTube, to be honest with you. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, historically, I have been very reluctant, but I, I, am, I am excited about it. I've been, you know, making notes and, and journaling some ideas for, for things. Uh, I am almost, huge thanks to, to the listeners and, and people who have subscribed. I'm almost at 1,000. Oh, brilliant. At, at the time of this recording, I'm at 982 which is phenomenal. Let's just ask everyone, like, please let's help push Jeffrey. So if you go to YouTube and just go Jeffrey Sidoris in your search bar, just hit subscribe on Jeffrey's channel, and then he'll be able to do stuff like 18 more. live stream and extra features, like 18 more people. Please let's, let's see if we can get him over. It only takes a second and that'll, that'll really help him do kind of what he wants to do with that platform. They have these stupid thresholds for features. And then under, under a thousand, you can only uh, stream to 25 people. But over a thousand, you know, as many as you like. So yeah. it's it's very, it's very strange. In the same way that that Instagram doesn't allow that swipe up functionality in a story unless you have ten thousand. Although <laughs> ten thousand, yeah, they did add um, a link sticker. Someone pointed out to me, a, a an Instagram user listener pointed out to me that you can now put a, a clickable button in a story. Yeah, the swipe up thing's gone. So it's been replaced by that sticker. There is oh, no the swipe, swipe is gone. Anymore. Yeah, it's gone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Shows you how much I use Instagram lately. <laughs> 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 and it's not called Instagram anymore. It's called, you know, whatever. Metagram. Uh, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> whatever. So yeah, I'm very hopeful. I mean, I know that a few episodes ago, it was, it, 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 it may have come across very doom and gloom in, in terms of you know, I'm, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, but I think I needed to say that publicly to help kick myself in the ass. What, what, what it's be the change you want to see in the world. I can't complain that it failed me. I have to own that I failed it. Yeah. And, and, and if it didn't work, don't let it be because you didn't put the effort in, let it right. be because people chose differently or, or that's the algorithm and that's right. how it works. Like don't be the reason. And right now I am the reason right now. I am why this is not working or, or I am, I am contributing to why I'm not exclusively why, but I am, I am a major contributor in, in why this is not working. 
I can be very honest and say I have not done all that I can do. I'm excited for you. It's, it's how you have to do it. And then something clicks and then you ride that out. But you have to do the experiments. And you have to risk and put yourself out there. That's where it has to begin. You can connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. Be sure to check out his book, The Meaning in the Making, which is available everywhere. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sadoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. You can also email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sedoris Everything in your favorite podcast app to get every episode of Deep Natter, Process Driven, and everything else I release all in one feed. If you'd like to support the show and help others find it, please consider leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen and share it on social media. You can support what I do more directly by tapping the donate button at the top right corner of my website at jeffreysedoris.com. The music in this episode is from Artlist, which is a terrific music and effects library for filmmakers, YouTubers, and podcasters. They've got vocal and instrumental tracks from virtually every genre, so you're sure to find something for your next project. Use the link in the show notes to get two months free when you sign up for an annual subscription. As always, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you.